Hello and welcome to another episode of CISO Tradecraft, the podcast that provides you with the information, knowledge, and wisdom to be a more effective cybersecurity leader. My name is G. Mark Hardy. Today we have a special guest, Noam Brosh, who we are going to bring on a little bit later in the show. He's a CISO at Hunters, and we think you're really going to like what he has to say about SOC tools and building a data lake for security. But before we get started with our show, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Do you currently manage multiple compliance frameworks? Are they causing inefficient processes, departmental friction, or staffing issues? Have you ever considered outsourcing your entire compliance program? Well, there's a better way with Risk 360. When you partner with them, you get streamlined and unified compliance strategy that harmonizes audits and consolidates frameworks, reduces friction, saves costs, and allows you to focus on what's most important, growing your business. Leave your compliance, security, and privacy programs in the capable hands of the Risk 360 team. Reach out to them to learn more at risk3sixty.com. Now, before we dive in, just want to set the stage a little because one of the fundamental expectations from any cyber organization is we have to detect cybersecurity-related events. Now, to do that, most cyber organizations have a lot of tools to collect data. It could be things like an EDR that'll look at endpoints, a web app firewall or a WAP that'll analyze applications, intrusion detection systems, IDS, that'll analyze network traffic, uh, DLP, data loss prevention systems that'll watch data, identity and access management systems that'll watch the user, machine login behavior. It's a whole host of tools out there. Now, all of these tools tend to look individually at one asset class of technology be it devices, an app, a network, a data, maybe users. But what they're missing individually is a holistic view that ties everything together. And this is where security information and event monitoring, or SIM, or SIM, depending upon how you like to pronounce it, these tools, or extended detection response, XDR. A lot of acronyms coming at you at one time, but hopefully those are things that you're already familiar with. But a SIM or an XDR then provides us the opportunity to combine logs from multiple technologies and to tell the whole story. Here's an example. Uh, let's say a SOC could go ahead and you get a feed from Proofpoint. It says, hey, there's a bad actor that's just fished a user. And Joe clicked on a malicious email and downloaded a piece of malware, uh, and the antivirus didn't stop that on the endpoint. Then that bad actor, because they had access, was able to find an old printer driver and gained root on the Windows laptop. Notice that some of these attacks never even touched the hard drive. And then they moved to the network share and then took data containing financial statements and procurement documents that had bank accounts from suppliers. And then we look at our proxy and we can see that the confidential data was uploaded to Google Drive. And then the attacker went on, abused Active Directory, and eventually gained domain uh, admin credentials. And this could allow the attacker to move to another individual's laptop or servers. But goes to a laptop that has developer access, and maybe from there, steal login credentials to move to a production server. And the developer happened to have just accessed that, so all those creds are still in memory. And this allows the bad actor access to critical business that later they began to encrypt. So, wow, I mean, this whole thing goes really bad very quickly. Now, if all you had were just logs to the EDR, you would have missed how the pivot happened to go across the network. And you only had logs from this system, you would have missed that. So, what happens is to be able to effectively contain and eradicate a bad actor, you need to be able to have a tool that SOC analysts can leverage to get the whole story of a cyber attack. And so with that sort of setting the stage, let's bring in our special guest, Noam Brosh. 
Norm, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, and thanks for coming by. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, glad to have you here. And could you tell us a little bit about yourself and perhaps your background in cyber? Yeah, certainly. I'm, uh, I'm 42, married plus two. I started my way in the industry about 24 years ago, actually in, uh, in IT. I was a system administrator. And ever since I've handled networking, infrastructure systems, DevOps, data centers for a big organization that starts up a life. Most of my career was actually in telecommunications and the tourism industries, which was mostly B2B, but also some B2C. Recently, I've done some fintech, and uh, I've always handled the security aspect as part of my role. But uh, almost seven years ago, I decided to make a change, and I switched completely to the cybersecurity side. So it's, it's interesting to see how somebody has moved up through the ranks in the IT world and then gets into cybersecurity, an awful lot of people some of the best and the smartest people are gravitating to this line of work, which I've kind of always been in. So welcome. I think you're a great person to have here. And I just recently talked about companies, how they sort of have the need to have some way to pull information together, like a SOC to collect logs from across those organizations, then identify and categorize and analyze these logs to see if there's any cyber incidents occurring. And historically, you go out and buy a tool called a SIM to do this type of log aggregation. Can you talk about what's worked well and what doesn't seem to work too well with these types of tools? Yeah, so classic SIMs or legacy SIMs, SIMs in general, uh, SOC platforms, are all about having one place for all of your logs and events. This makes security analysis much more efficient. There's quicker response time. You get alerts and notifications that are more focused on the security side and give better visibility. Uh, but there are some disadvantages to it. I would say that classic SIMs are very complex to integrate, complex to configure and maintain. You need people that know what they're doing. This means training. Usually it's about SOC security or data analysts uh, or engineers. You know, it's up to them to operate and maintain the SIM. This is time and resource consuming. And of course, the amount of data that you, that you collect plays a role as well because SIMs are either event or log-based. And ultimately, that translates to storage space. And as cybersecurity people or even IT people, we would like to connect all of our system to that one place. Also, when you have large amounts of data, performance becomes an issue. As uh, you know, we all know storage and compute power are not cheap and they come at a price. So all of this would eventually lead to high costs and I would say a big part of any system's budget. So let me re un unpack that because there's a lot there. So I'm taking notes as you go along. But some of the issues with a traditional or classic SIM is they're complex. Complex in terms of implementation and being able to connect everything. You've got to train people to operate them because they're not necessarily intuitive out of the box. There's a lot of capabilities that our engineers will need. A lot of volume of data, which can then go ahead and slow things down, if you will, because you're storing all this information. You have to pay for all the storage, et cetera. And then the performance as you get more and more information there, it's harder and harder to go ahead and get things out quickly. And all that tends to lead to an increased cost. Does that sound like about captured all that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Again, you know, it's all about the budget in the end and then SIMs are usually a big part of your budget. Yeah. Yeah. Because the SIMs can be expensive. I mean, traditionally as we think of them as being a major investment. And I think a lot of organizations start out to say, well, we need to be able to detect an attack. To be able to do so, we have to integrate a lot of logs that come in. But not everybody who's in an organization without a SIM is saying, hey, when do we, what's the logs do I collect? Because you say, well, let me just collect everything. 
all right, well, if you collect everything, then you put them in Elasticsearch database or maybe Splunk. Hey, Roger that. We got that done. But then all of a sudden, the storage costs, as you mentioned, go up. And with all those logs, it's really slow. And, and so the end result, we've got a lot of money going into a system that every month that the SOC analysts are going to complain about it because it's it's really slow. So that's a traditional approach. And there's nothing was wrong with that at the beginning because it would sure a whole lot better than nothing. But today, there seems to be perhaps a different type of approach. What are your thoughts in terms of what SOCs could be doing differently to avoid this type of scenario? So the game here, in my opinion, is to try and lower the cost of storage, uh, whatever is possible, but also to maintain decent compute power. And, uh, you know, the performance will overcome eventually the slowness that you were mentioning. The idea, again, in classic Sims is to remove irrelevant information or data. You know, SOC teams need to be able to focus on what matters. And unnecessary data, unnecessary logs, sometimes called false positives, can consume valuable resources. On the other hand, Sim and SOC platform should be able to ingest a lot of data. You know, at Hunters, for example, we're not afraid of large amounts of data. We take an alternative approach to pricing with our licensing model. Then customers can ingest and retain more data while actually lowering their total cost of ownership by 30 to 60%. We don't just ingest alerts from other tools. We ingest the raw data, the logs, and we can actually pick up on signals that might have otherwise gone unnoticed. Wow. So what we're doing is, is you're looking at a little bit different approach instead of collect everything, including even the alerts, take the raw data, uh, focus on the signal to noise ratio where we're trying to identify that. Because if you put garbage in, you get garbage out. Uh, or as I've heard say, you know, garbage in, garbage stays. And, and then it gets pregnant and gives birth to triplets because you keep getting bad results out. <laughs> yes. And if you take a look at, for example, some of the control sets like ISO 27001, Control 8.15 states that event logs should include for each event as applicable user IDs, system activities, dates, times, and details of relevant events like a login or a logout, uh, device identity, system identifier, location, network address, and protocols. Well, there's other things to consider, but if we just limited our scope to this data, what we have then is a pruned list of all possible sets of data, but it's focusing, as you said, on the events, the facts. We'll know who logged in, user ID. We can see the activities being performed. We got timestamps, IP addresses. So if somebody's being impersonated and the rate of this uh, action, you could say, is that a human working at a keyboard or is that some machine that is inputting commands far too quickly than a human could do? It helps us learn a little bit more. We could combine evidence and actually build a story out of it because this creates the time log and of uh, events and really, this is kind of what you want to have in a SOC to understand what's unfolding. Is this a true problem? Is it a false positive? What's going on? So as you had indicated, take a subset of the logs that are out there. It's be less expensive to store. You mentioned like 30 to 60% savings. Faster to search. Now, does that give up anything? Are we actually blinding ourselves to areas uh, that we should have been looking at and later we find out, well, you've got some efficiencies, but you lost some visibility? Uh, or is there anything else that we should think about that allows us to make sure that we're still capturing what we need to be able to protect our enterprise? So you need to be able to manage your, your alerts and log ingestion in general. Otherwise, 
you know, any CM, any SOC platform, this can lead to alert fatigue and overload or flooding, as we say. You need to be able to concentrate on the valuable logs, uh, such as, you know, the core security logs, whether it's IPS, EDR, antivirus firewalls, anything related to authentication nexus logs, you know, your SSO, your MFAs, uh, anything related to the cloud environment, the infrastructure and services, your system applications, you know, all of your servers, operating system, databases. And, you know, when you talk about applications, modern organizations nowadays can have like a 100% SaaS application base in the cloud. You need to be able to see those as well. On, on legacy SIMs, all of this is done manually. On smart or alternative SIM or SOC platforms, the system itself uh, should be able to distinguish between, you know, what is important and what is not. And that's, that's, I think, kind of a new approach that is coming in the industry. You can minimize what you want to look at by using the system. You don't have to do it manually. Interesting. Now, that knowledge of what's important, what's not important, is that going to be something that each individual user has to go figure out on their own? Or as an organization that has looked at dozens, maybe hundreds of different environments, can you say, hey, this is sort of preloaded with a set of knowledge or intelligence or rules, because traditionally, one of the things we find with the traditional SIM is that coming out of the box, they don't have any real instruction set. It's like unpacking a holiday or Christmas gift for your child and finding out that you've got 20 pages of instructions. Is that going to be the best way forward? Because organizations traditionally may not have had the expertise to program it. You have to hire a consultant. They bring them in and spend the time. But in these newer generations of tools, do they come with any built-in intelligence? That is to say, based upon prior customers and looking at different environments, that they come preloaded with some smarts, so to speak, so that the customer can get that up and running very quickly and doesn't have a tremendous amount of time to configure it. Is that, is that a correct statement? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, legacy, legacy sims and, and classic sims, like I mentioned before, are pretty complex to deploy, and that's due to a lot of customized work that you have to do. You need to write the alerts, you need to decide what's what's important and what's not important. The new generation of SIM or SOC alternatives does have intelligence into it. You know, it's able to distinguish between what is important and what is not by having pre-tuned detectors based on MITRE frameworks or any other frameworks. And that really, really cuts on the time that you need to deploy. You can go up and running within a matter of weeks instead of months. And you don't need those pre-trained staffing that you would expect in, in you know, when using, again, legacy monitors. Got it. Okay, so that sounds like a superior solution. Now, another dilemma that I think organizations take place is all the data that we put into a SIM traditionally is also might be the same information that our data scientists want access to. Uh, so for example, that all the data stored in a SIM may also be stored in a data lake, like a Snowflake or Databricks or something similar. So some organizations are paying twice to store essentially the same information, but for different purposes. And so we've started to see a shift to say, like, I wish my SIM would read just directly from Snowflake so I don't have to maybe contact thousands of app owners to get access to their data, opens up all these firewalls, et cetera. How about just one open connection from Snowflake? Is that shift happening? And if so, what's, what's going on in that area? Yeah, so the shifting of big data from traditional storage onto data lakes can really keep, can really help uh, keep amounts of data at a lower cost. Is what we talked about before, you know, lowering the cost of storage. Combining it with a classic data warehouse, 
you can get more compute power and that would create a really, really powerful hybrid that allows to keep larger quantities of data along with performance. So Snowflake and NetWiz, like you mentioned, actually provide such a solution. But I also have to mention that uh, those two are actually investors of hunters. So if you use their terminology, if you take a data, a data lake and a data warehouse, it becomes a data lake house. Also, you know, when, when you use classic or legacy sims, you, you find out very quickly that you're unable to move your data. That's a really painful point. It's locked into the sim platform and, and that shouldn't be the case. Sometimes you need to be able to move your data around. So using data lakes uh, ultimately means vendors cannot hold your data ransom. And, and scalability is key here. You know, the ability to grow without hurting your budget significantly, without having to sacrifice connectors or systems or data that you're unable to connect. Yeah, and that's a very good point too, because if, uh, if all your information is, as you say, quote, you know, hostage, if you've got it in the tool and you say, I want to migrate from tool one to tool two, well, tool one vendor is not going to make it easy to go ahead uh, and just walk away from that. And so to a certain extent, that's good business in a way, but it's not good business if you're the customer. And so as a result, by being able to have all the information in which a tool is going to need to operate in something like a data security lake, which I like the term, uh, then what we'll find then is that it's sort of agnostic. You could replace something with a different capability, still have access to the same information, still have the same lack of redundancy in a good way, really, because we're not paying twice to store the same information. And that could be used in a lot of places. So I think it's win, win, win all the way around. Now, we've, we've bopped around a bunch of terms and things like that. Let's just make sure we kind of differentiate here between a, a SIM tool, maybe classic and modern next generation, an XDR, and a, then a SOC platform. Is there you know, a real simple, like a one-sentence definition? Most of our listeners probably know, but some are still going, well, I don't admit I don't know, but let's, let's go ahead and, and state that. So SIM tool, classic, or the, more, the next generation, if you will, XDR and SOC platforms. So for a SIM, it's a traditional log aggregation and monitoring tool for compliance purposes, I would say. Um, XDR, which, you know, I don't think anyone knows what XDR means anymore. In the last several years, the extension detection response, everybody added XDR to the product title, but you know, it created a lot of buzz and it was very trendy, but I don't think anybody can pinpoint to tell you exactly what is, uh, what is an XDR, what is an XDR. And, but I think that everyone in the industry kind of, you know, they're in agreement that this is an evolution of EDR, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, as for SOC platform, I would say uh, uh, the next generation SOC platform would be a way to define an alternative to a SIM, maybe a next generation SIM, if you mind. Uh, it will deliver better security outcomes, you know, by being cloud-based, and then we have the performance and scalability we were mentioning. And it will also add automation for the repetitive tasks around all the ingestion, the detection, and investigation. You can address multiple security operation use cases in one single platform without the limitations of uh, the legacy tools that we talked about, which revolves around, again, maintenance, storage, and costs. Okay, so if I hear that right, SIM, classic SIM, just log collection tool. Uh, a lot of it was compliance and things such as that. Uh, but now as we get into the next generation SIM, we're talking about automation, 
integration into a single platform, and that's being able to give us a better capability. Uh, XDR is you know, maybe more marketing than capability when you go from an EDR. Well, what's the X? Well, it means we can sell more. We can charge it more. But that's kind of a requirement. And then a lot of these categories and these terms sometimes are driven by things like Gartner Magic Quadrants, where you want to fit into the right box someplace. And you say, well, if we're going to compete against what we consider our competition and look good, we'll label ourselves this way. And then in the SOC platform, we also may want to include things like security orchestration, automation, and response, or SOAR. And now we're able to go ahead and really improve the capabilities that we've got beyond just a classic ingest a lot of data, grind through it, try to come up with some story in time to be able to deal with an event that's going on. Uh, we've got a lot more capability here, and we're a little bit more nimble. Now, can you share any stories of companies perhaps you've seen that have put this into place and how it's been different for them from a traditional SOC environment? Yeah, so I'll talk on uh, kind of a generic point of view. I think that uh, all of our customers will tell you that you'll be seeing value from day one because ingestion of data at hundreds is extremely easy and all of the detections that we have start running as soon as the data comes in, you know, this is very important. There is no learning curve or you don't need a week to run. The moment you connect the data, you should have findings. And then you'll be shortening the time to detect and respond to threats significantly, you know, if you speak again, generally speaking. And all of the visibility and correlations that you used to do manually really shorten up. And so now it's automated, you know, it should become like, like we said before, pre-tuned out-of-the-box features. You don't have to do it all from scratch. So you don't have to be an expert on a specific sim. Like, again, I'm mentioning ArcSight because ArcSight is one of those sims that you need to know what you're doing. Uh, you don't have to build everything from scratch and work on the system. Everything comes really out-of-the-box. And I think that's the beauty of next-generation sim and soft platforms. You know, you have a ready product, ready to deploy. The learning curve shortens, you know, again. Um, and of course, there's always exceptions, you know, someone will come and say, yeah, you know, but there is a learning curve. Yeah, there is a very, very short learning curve on the system. And yes, you do need some customization, those specific connectors. But again, this is shortened uh, the, the, the deployment time. It's just insane, you know, we're talking months to weeks. So, yeah. So we're talking shorter deployment time, almost immediately available results that are useful. Uh, reduce storage costs and reduce data costs. Because that's one of the things in terms of, uh, as a CISO, you're in a monthly meeting trying to justify your budget, if my IT budget's going according to plan. And hosting and storage costs can be quite a bit of that if we're using a classic type of environment. Does this give us solid predictability? Can we go ahead and say, hey, maybe I can rely on some of my costs from the CISO budget for storage and, and hosting and then redeploy that someplace else to give me more value because I'm using a much more efficient model here. So I would say that storage and resources are a constant struggle for CISOs and department hands alike. In one of the corporate environments that I used to work at, we actually had a rule of thumb to, you know, we wanted to grow our technological resources within our production environment at any given time by 30%. And, you know, we always, you know, end of year, uh, we always calculate it on an annual basis to careful and precise, uh, you know, consideration sitting with all the stakeholders and department heads. 
And you know what? We never, never, ever, we're never, never able, we always exit those uh, 30%. It was always 30% or 100%. You know, the business comes in with more important projects and you need to grow. And I was the one who had to step into the CEO's office and tell them, listen, we need to double, triple our stories because, you know, more projects came. So again, you know, it's, it's, it's like I said, it's a constant struggle. I was lucky enough to, to get what I needed, you know. Uh, so I think it's very important that uh, those next-gen solutions, whether it's storage or SOC, you're able to predict the costs, you know, because it's very important. So we mentioned Snowflake. So Snowflake, for example, have calculators that are able to predict the cost of scalability. And along with hunters, we are able to predict those based on experience with multiple environments or customers. But again, you know, if you decide to uh, self-host with uh, Snowflake, there are calculators, like I said, that can assist you in predicting the usage and the cost. And that's that's extremely important for everybody's budget. Yeah, I agree, because those calculators and some predictability really helps a lot. Because chief financial officers hate when you come in and say, well, here was our plan, but now we need this. And another trend also that we're doing in a third-party hosted software as a service, that is to say, if I'm using Salesforce or some other SaaS tool, I have to have really good logs there. And I want to review those logs to make sure no one's stealing my customer data, things aren't going to the wrong places, or that anything we're, uh, we're processing through Salesforce is basically for our benefit and not to a competitor or worse yet, somebody who's stealing it. So take all these logs from all these third-party SaaS providers is going to be really important. Now, it's great if I've got a pre-built connector where all I have to do is create some login credentials, add it to the connector from your cyber tool, and it could just go pull data. Now, are you seeing SOC tools focusing on these third-party connection tools, which are basically APIs, if you will, uh, such that they can run in an unattended mode automatically? So I would say that third-party connection tools for any SIM or SOC environment are essential. I see every SIM, SOC, manufacturer, vendor, you know, they always strive to add as many connection tools as possible because this is their bread and butter. They need that data. But, you know, you, you can never have all the connectors you want. You will always have a few that are missing. There's always this system that doesn't allow export, that legacy system that doesn't allow uh, bringing into data or, you know, doesn't have a connector specifically to the platform that you're using because it's always on the roadmap. We have close to 300 connectors. You know, they're pre-built and ready to go. They're not on the roadmap. They're ready to go. And I would say a lot of small startups uh, do it, but we do it as well. We can create customized connectors when needed, you know, in matters of weeks, something you will not find with the big vendors. You know, you come to a big vendor and say, yeah, you know, I have this and that system. And they'll tell you, you know, it's on the roadmap or, you know, we can't do it. So, you know, you should really be agnostic to whatever data type and source you want to bring in. Yeah, that's a very good point is being able to have that preloaded 300 of them is awesome. Now, are there any other types of trends or things that are disruptive in the market that you're noticing in the SIM space? The SIM industry is kind of a red ocean. You know, it's been around for so many years and some of the vendors have been there from day one. But uh, ultimately, you know, either they acquire other companies to become more innovative or they get acquired themselves. You know, everybody knows of Cisco and Splunk, about Pano and their acquisitions. We're seeing even EDR vendors, you know, want to augment their uh, use cases by adding the data layer to it. Look at CrowdStrike and Yumio. So, you know, it feels like the market is always moving and vendors, in order to stay competitive, 
will be expected to deliver more automation and security use cases for the modern organizations. Good point. Now, another thing I'm seeing, and it's been kind of around for a long time, anytime you're dealing with security and particularly SOCs in general, is a concern about false positives. For example, a network intrusion system might light up and said, hey, there's a massive data exfiltration going on, which would typically be a symptom of a bad actor kind of doing that last stage in the kill chain to the exfil. And someone has to investigate it, and then they come back and they said, well, yeah, that's just the weekly backup. And we own an image, set it to backup storage, and we roll that with expected normal. Are you seeing features in SOC tools that allow better filters and views of data that will allow us to tune out these false positives without permitting additional false negatives? So first I'll talk a bit about the data. I think that data retention here is extremely important. So you do not have to go to the backup that you were mentioning. So I think data retention is again, extremely important. It should be a factor when you choose any type of solution. You need to be able to have, um, you know, a year, 12 months. I know that most vendors actually offer three to six months. Some of them offer nothing if it's without paid, but I think that 12 months should be kind of a baseline for everyone. And uh, again, you know, using next gen SOC and SIM alternatives, like we've mentioned, you know, if it's based on some sort of framework like Mitre or anything else, then automation kicks in and you don't have to build everything from scratch. So, you know, if you're based on those and automation is running, then you have some sort of an AI and intelligence that you mentioned, you can actually look at the alerts and see, oh, this is 90% uh, correct, like 90% true, this is a, a medium or high alert, I need to look at that. But look at here, I have an alert which based on, I know, somebody downloaded over 195 files of Google Drive and I get an alert, but there is zero probability. So the alert is on a low and I shouldn't be looking at that. I should look at the high one. So I think that, again, automation plays a big role here and it actually helps and reduces time to identify what matters, you know, and not, and not the false positive that you mentioned. And, and that's a great point because, for example, you might have a tool that gets a thousand alerts on a daily basis, but if you've got SOC analysts, they might be able to look at 500 alerts a piece on their shift. But either we, you know, if that's it, if we can only look at 500 in the time available, then we either have to ignore 500 and kind of hope that the risk committee is okay with us not having enough resources or get funded to grow the team, or as you had indicated, we go ahead and use automation, we use a little bit of AI in there to go ahead and help us figure things out so that we can prune these things down. Now, occasionally though, if the volume, let's say a system grows to the point where we just don't have the available resources, or maybe our people are out ill or on pregnancy leave or maternity leave or paternity leave or anything else that would keep them out of the workplace for a while, yet we'll need to go ahead and maintain that same volume of analysis. Have you looked at any ways that you could outsource parts of the SOC and staffing uh, rather than try to either hire somebody, but then let them go in three months or bring in a temp? Uh, is there anything out there that's taking place where there's a cadre of people who know what they're doing with these types of tools that they can be tapped right away? So organizations will usually outsource the portion that you mentioned. They'll outsource their SOC services if they can't afford a similar staffing. I know I've done it myself before, you know, outsourcing it externally. But like you said, you know, we shouldn't forget it's not just about, um, you know, people. There is a serious talent shortage, you know, due to many reasons. It could have been COVID three years ago. 
or a year ago with the market suffered the global economic situation. You know, the industry is missing a lot of employees. I, I would say by the millions, I think, last time I checked. Uh, but and some companies would actually offload only their sim while keeping their SOC team or only several tiers of support. You know, you have tier one, two, three. So some will let go of tier one and and will uh, you know keep tier three. There are many examples. But you know, platforms with good automation, the bottom line is, can help reduce staffing. And uh, you know, some of the hunters customers that we have will tell you that they were able to save years of work and time, as well as people and engineers with out-of-the-box features and performance, you know, again, to do more with less. I think that that is kind of the motto here, to do more with less. Yeah, and I, I think what happens is if you look at it, if I got a tier one, two, or three SOC, I could outsource some or all of that. But the hard part is if I'm trying to maintain my tier three myself, and I'm not a big organization like a Google or Amazon or Apple or something like that, I may not have enough going on to keep these really smart, really capable, well-educated people uh, engaged for a while because they're going to be sitting around like we used to see the old Maytag repairman just kind of waiting for the phone to ring because their equipment never breaks down. So in a situation that if I can't attract and retain the best talent, uh, then the difficulty is, is that if there's an emerging threat or something that is not intuitively obvious to, for example, the uh, first level, but someone's going to figure that out. Um, we need to have some sort of way to provide that insight. And it would be great to have an advisory service or something like that to help identify and even help prevent early attacks by being able to say, hey, patch this thing now, now, now. Do you, are there types of teams that are out there? Or, uh, do you guys offer that type of a service that could help uh, organizations get to where they need to go right away? Yes, yeah, so you know when, when you outsource your silver sock, this type of service is almost expected from the vendor, but it's it always costs more money. I, I was fortunate enough to work with some top-notch incident detection response teams over the years by some really big vendors and MSSPs, and and I think I think it's a necessity. I mean, every company should have a detection response advisory service, and like I said, whether it's for business as usual days or even a ready day, you know, sometimes you just need a group of specialists or experts to help out. And uh, yeah, in Hunters, we have Team Axon, um, an impressive bunch, highly experienced, proactive threat hunters. They are on the higher level on top of the Hunters platform. They perform investigations, they do research, they provide not only reports, but also recommendations to customers such as mitigations. And when it comes to rapid response, they'll be the ones to contact you if something happens, real time. You know, they'll be your best friends within the Hunters platform and they can provide even consultation upon demand, you know, if you want something special. They also share a lot with the community, they have webinars and they share their discoveries publicly. Uh, you can actually watch those webinars if you go to the Hunters uh, YouTube channel hmm. and uh, almost all of our customers use them. They're great. Yeah, and that's, that's I think that's a key capability because I, I think a junior staff might be focusing on just writing alerts as compared to looking at the tactics, techniques, and procedures that might be enumerated in the MITRE ATT&CK framework and saying, yeah, something's up going on over here. And also, I think having access to a range of environments is really helpful. And that way, by being able to use a team such as they said, Team Axon, 
gives those analysts the capability of looking at multiple environments of which, A, they don't get bored, so you're not going to lose them very easily. Uh, B, they can take that knowledge and wisdom that they've obtained from one environment and apply it to another. And as some attackers are out there doing broad-based targeting, you might be able to detect something going on over here with customer A and then be able to help customers B, C, and D defend against a similar sort of a thing. And that, to me, seems to make some really good sense. So so I like that. Now, what about multi-cloud or, or hybrid cloud? Because some of the tool sets that are out there, for example, uh, you know, my, my tenant for one of my clients, we use Microsoft. So Microsoft Sentinel is great. Well, it's built by Microsoft for Microsoft. But the thing is, is that some organizations aren't just 100% in the Microsoft cloud. Some things are on-prem. Some are going to be in Amazon, some are in Azure, some are probably Google Cloud, maybe other vendors as well. There's not just three uh, providers that are out there. There's quite a few of them. And this is really common in an organization that will do mergers and, and acquisitions. So if you find yourself in this type of a situation, uh, then you might find that a single tool like a Microsoft Sentinel, which is optimized for Microsoft, isn't optimized for these other environments. So as CISOs are looking at selecting a SIM tool to deal with multiple cloud uh, tenants or environments, what should they be thinking about to help come up with a, a solution that's going to work across the organization? So first and foremost, you need to compose a list of your systems and the data you want to ingest. You know, what are the connectors that are available? Second, I would say that I mentioned before would be data retention. This is extremely important. A third would be a pricing model. You know, is it based on inverse per second, like the old classic uh, sims, inverse per second, or is it storage based? What can you do with your data? Could you move it away? Are you locked in? Or is the vendor holding it for ransom? And also, is there a POC available and for how long? Uh, I'm a firm believer in POCs. I think it's great. I think it's, it's eventually the POC should determine if you're taking one product or another. But, uh, you know, you also mentioned Microsoft Sentinel. You know, they are storage-based, by the way, you know, they are storage-based. And from what I remember, but don't, you know, hold me on it, I think they have three to six months data retention. And anything that is not Microsoft-based costs money. So those extra um, external connectors that I want, you know, if I want to bring Cisco in, if I want to bring Fortinet in, that's going to cost me money. And not just the connector, but the data itself. So... What do you get when you go to Microsoft? I mean, do you get Defender out of the box? Is it free? But what if you want to add Azure or 365? You know, what about all the other connections? It's going to cost you a lot more money. So, you know, getting all this information, especially in a big company or corporation, or even a startup, they can take a lot of time when you evaluate, you know, when you evaluate solutions from uh, uh, different uh, vendors. But the new security approach to security analytics, you know, with this new approach, external connectors shouldn't cost more money. You know, they should be free. If I want to bring in Microsoft, CrossTrack, Cisco, Amazon, not be able to get it to the table, you know, they shouldn't cost me more. And also storage shouldn't be a showstopper either. And, and that's one of the issues with uh, Microsoft and other big vendors. You know, you're going to spend a lot of money and not get everything that you want. Yeah, and, and I remember trying to do an investigation couple of years ago, we got an alert. I think it was Microsoft that said, hey, we think there is a bad actor in your tenant. Okay, great. You know, give me the queuing information. Oh, it was five months ago. Well, where's the data? Oh, we deleted it after. I think it was, I think you're right. Through. I think it was true. We couldn't actually see it. it was because they had a third-party tool, 
that had kept longer log retention, I was able to go back through, scour through that and say, okay, that's a false positive. I know I can see exactly what it was that they thought was going on. But you're right. Uh, you could be potentially blinded if you don't have that. So having that capability of the reach back. And people say, well, why do you need it for a year? Is that only for uh, compliance? The answer is no. There are some low and slow attacks where the attackers are very patient and they will gain that foothold and then wait a little while, and then move laterally and wait a little while. And we see this even in ransomware operators where some of the families are really smart about that. And then when they hit you, they know exactly what you're worth. You can't pretend to be some grandmother on a pension living on a farm. Oh, I, I can't come up with any money. They're like, yeah, we've already read your financial statements. We know what you can pay. So there's a lot of capabilities that we will want to have. And that includes, as you had suggested, having a a long period of time, probably up to a year to be able to look at that. As we're getting close to the end of the show, I'm trying to think of a couple ideas here. Any SOC metrics we could report back to either the board or the CEO or the CIO to basically say that, look, we've made this shift. We've gone from a classic type of a SIM to this more modern tool. We're using the capabilities. Hunters has a backend with the Team Axon. We are doing the data storage in a way that we're achieving savings, et cetera. Uh, what are the metrics that I could probably go ahead and take to executives to show that, hey, this is actually paying off and it's working? What are your signs of success? So I would say that for us, you know, the CISOs and the information security people, SOC metrics and KPI are the same. It's, you know, it's MTTR, MTTD, which is mean time to respond or detect. It's the volume of incidents. It's false positive rates and incident escalation. But for the stakeholders and the executive management or the board or the committees, this is it. But, you know, they want to see the basics in plain terms. How many incidents that we have? What's the severity? How long it took us to resolve it? If you can show an improvement of your metrics by using less resources with a more of an efficient product, then that translates into cost. And then I assure you that everybody will listen to you when you actually tell them that, you know, you can do less with more because eventually it all translates to money and cost. So, yeah. Yeah. So that, that sounds great. Now, um, last question here, Noam, if our listeners want to get in touch with you or your company, cause they want to learn a little bit more or they want to perhaps discuss their situation, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? So you can reach hunters through our website, hunters.ai, and you can ask for a demo. I can promise you, you'll be impressed. As for myself, I'm available on uh, LinkedIn or email. You know, if you want to reach me, I'm there. All right. Sounds good. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes so people can find you and things such as that. So awesome. And, and for audience, I hope you've enjoyed learning from Noam. It's always great to see a technology that's been around for a while is evolving and getting to the point where you get more capability, uh, less cost, and more efficiency and things like that. And so sometimes you'll be in a situation where when I go up for, you know, is a CISO and I'm trying to get budget approved. Well, we had it last year. I got it approved for last year. I can renew it for next year. But every now and then you look at your situation and go, there's a better way. And this may be one of those situations where uh, as CISOs, we might want to say, is there a better way out there? We have that responsibility to our organizations to be able to be the best stewards of resources that we can. And some of that has to do with being able to go back and say, hey, just because we've always done it this way doesn't mean we always have to be doing that way. So thank you again for listening to CISO Tradecraft. If you enjoyed the episode, please comment or subscribe or, or leave us a review. If you're watching us on YouTube, please go ahead and click the subscribe button. 
once we reach a certain number of subscribers, we, they don't throw ads in your face and things such as that. So I am your host, G. Mark Hardy, and until next time, stay safe out there.